Long before blockbuster cookbooks, community recipe collections were go-to references for recipes. These compilations were fundraising tools for church and junior league groups and Girl Scout troops and 4-H clubs. Matthew Terrell is an artist and writer. His book, The Magnolia Bayou Ladies Auxiliary Country Club Cooking and Entertaining Book... Picks up this spiral-bound DIY Southern tradition. The difference, this is fiction, with real recipes, fake commentary, fake ads, and a few extras in a hand-drawn book. And Matthew joins me in the studio to tell me more. Hello. Hi, Virginia. How are you doing today? And I'm better, all the better, because you brought us snacks. Oh, yes. I brought tea and cookies uh, from my cookbook. Never a bad idea to bring tea and cookies. Did you grow up with these kind of community cookbooks? I have collected community cookbooks probably in the last like 10 years of my life um i read cookbooks like people read novels um they're really great to read before you go to bedtime why is that because they always have happy endings (laughs) they're very relaxing to read um and never tell anybody that you collect anything because that's all you will ever have and so when i told people that i collect these comb-bound church community junior league cookbooks I've gotten many, many, many of them, um, and they're really fun to read. Well, they're, and they're amateur productions. They're labors of love. What made them collectible for you? Why so special? I think what's really interesting is that they are sociological, historical documents through recipes. Like, you can really come to learn about a people and a place through the food that they make and the way that they talk about the food. And I thought what was really interesting was that you – almost feel like you get to know the people in the community of the cookbook that you read through the recipes they submit. And sometimes they have little openers and stories behind the recipes. So you get to know about their lives. And I just thought that was so charming that I wanted to do that myself in fiction. All right. So and that's what you did. Community cookbooks, as you said, they they give you a history of a community. So in your case, you made them all up. The backstories and the place itself, Magnolia Bayou. Uh, Also, you note, the Singapore of the South. <laughs> yes. So what is, is this place? So Magnolia Bayou is a completely fictional place. Um, I grew up on a bayou in Mississippi, um, not in a country club. There was like a golf club next door. Um, but I grew up skiing on a bayou with alligators every single day of my life. Um, and the South that I grew up in, the M- Mississippi Gulf Coast, I think the Gulf Coast in general, is very diverse and multicultural. Americans of all races from all around the country sort of end up there. And people actually from all around the world lived um, in this area of the South. And I thought what was really interesting about the coastal food is that it really brings in a lot of flavors and ingredients from other places around the world really well. It accepts all of those into the the palette and the style mm-hmm. of Southern cooking. Well, in fact, the, the couple of the authors here are Dr. Elaine Punjabi and also Dr. Sid Punjabi. So clearly they have influences from other places than Mississippi, as you do, or Louisiana, as the yes. bio is. Um, so those two characters you mentioned, these are fictional characters, Dr. Sid and Elaine Punjabi. Um, Elaine is a blonde white woman from South Carolina who was in a sorority uh, who met her husband, Sid Punjabi, at med school at Emory, and they married, and a lot of the recipes that they submit are about finding the commonalities between her southern cuisine and his upbringing and background as a Hindu man from India. And so they have recipes like 
curried peaches that they serve with biryani. And they, they say that this is what we served at our wedding to our guests. And there's also Kitty Conway. She's another character who edits the beverages section, also does the entertaining section, which, as far as I can tell, is just about drinks. Yes, the entertaining <laughs> section is mostly about drinks. And well, and there's stuff in there about, like, having nice hand soap as well. Right, and having enough forks, <laughs> yes. having the right amount of disposable forks that or was, forks for every wedding. That was actually based on um, a story of my mother's that uh, a friend of hers roped her into catering her daughter's wedding um and they got the food right but they did not have enough plates and so she spent the entire time hand washing plates just to get them back out there soon enough to feed people okay so we do have in that entertainment section uh tom and jerry cocktail charleston ladies punch the bushwhacker Yes, traditional but, southern drinks. Well, but there's also, you know, there's a section for appetizers and soups, which we get in other cookbooks, but also picnics, herbs, and recherche. What, what is that? Oh, recherche is one of my favorite ideas. It comes from New Orleans. I discovered this while researching the book um, in the Times Picayune cookbook from New Orleans, which was the newspaper of record of New Orleans. It closed down recently. Um, but they have a volume that's been republished and reprinted many times over, which is the definitive book of Creole and Cajun cuisine. It is 600 pages long. I read every bit of it. But they talk a lot about recherche throughout the book, which is the little extra steps that you take to make something just a little bit nicer. So for example, in a nice white cream of cauliflower soup, you would never put black pepper in there because it would look like specks of dirt. Uh, you put white pepper in there. Um, and this is actually something that is throughout a lot of cuisines and cultures. Um, in Latin America, they would call this grandmother's touch. It's just like that little bit of extra effort and work you do to make sure that you peel those tomatoes before you put them into the salsa because that peel's just not very nice. So you clearly know food. Why didn't you just write a cookbook? What did you bring to this? This is an art project. Well, I have degrees in writing from Savannah College of Art and Design, and I'm a writer first. I... I'm a writer before a cook is what I'll say. Um, and so what I wanted to do was tell a story in a very new and innovative way. Um, and so that's why I wanted to put the characters in there and put the stories in there. And because I really wanted to bend genres of what fiction and what food can do. Um, I thought that was very important to me. You know, coming from the art school background, that's definitely what going to art school is all about. It's about this experimentation. So I wanted to carry this on through my project, um, the Magnolia Bayou Country Club, Ladies Auxiliary, Cooking and Entertaining Book. And my guest is the author of that faux community cookbook, Matthew Terrell. It is a fictional Southern community that he's writing about and telling a story about in many ways, but the recipes are absolutely real. In fact, your 10 tips for better biscuits really impressed me. Oh, my 10 tips for better biscuits. You know, rather than providing like, this is the biscuit recipe that you have to make. I recognize that people often have, you know, their mom's recipe or the recipe that they clipped off the back of a box of flour in the 1970s that they use. So what I do is I provide the things that you learn after making biscuits many, many times, oftentimes at your mother's hip. So for example, um, before you put them in the oven, you do a little indentation at the middle at the top with your thumb, 
um, and that will make sure that the middle doesn't rise up more and you have a nice flat top. Well, okay, so I want to, you said something about the 1970s because there is a, there is an era that's communicated here. In a way, it feels frozen in time, but yet you have some very contemporary food-ish things. Uh, Ms. Justine Vonnelly rails against dairy, for one thing. Um, and you mentioned Dr. Sid Punjabi, but he gives a recipe for Ayurvedic tea, which I am drinking right now. Nice cooling tea for the summer. But how to eat less meat. These are Buddhist notes by Kimber Parker Jones and then all about umami. So how did you bring that newness in here or why? Oftentimes I was thinking about what makes a good cook and what are details and information that I want to communicate. So for example, details of umami um, and thinking, well, how do I present this in the right form and who do I give this to? And so I saw I had characters who use fish sauce and characters who use Worcestershire sauce and use soy sauce. And so I wanted to bring all of that together and to explain the differences of these. So maybe you should remind us of what umami is. Umami are the nice, round, deep flavors. It is the fifth taste um, discovered uh, in Japan back in the 1960s. It's that flavor that sort of fills your cheeks and your mouth um, with depth. And if it's not there for for the right dishes, um, you need to put it there through Worcestershire or fish sauce. Um, even tomato paste has umami in it. There's like a story going on within this book, right? Yes. So when you read the book, you discover all about the community and how wonderful it is. But I've also stuffed into each book these handmade items, um, including an obituary and a funeral program that has a recipe written on it. I really wanted to make it as real as possible, like you are finding this person's actual book and discovering their true lives. Well, that's the thing about old cookbooks. There are a couple things that strike me. One is that this was one way that we can trace women's lives. I mean, you know, collectors and scholars look at these to figure out what the life of a woman was in the domestic realm or give them clues, you know, because there are so few times when women's names were even in print. One thing. And the other is like, I love looking at cookbooks at, um, at especially used cookbooks, you know, at, at junk shops and that kind of thing and seeing people's notes. And I actually have my mom's cookbook with her notes in them. And, you know, the funny thing she said, like, double this recipe for the cake is too thin, you know, that kind of thing. These personal items. But when I was looking through this book and I was like, oh, Matthew left this funeral program here by mistake. (laughs) But I realize it's all part of the thing because the funeral takes place at J.J. Broussard and daughter's funeral home in Vinegar Bend, Alabama. Yes, there are all sorts of Easter eggs uh, like that hidden all over the book where I'm trying to twist um, what would be a traditional uh, saying or traditional company in the South. So that's why you have J.J. Broussard and Daughters. (laughs) Well, you also have like little fake business cards in, you know, like we would see in a community cookbook. There are these mimeographed things. (laughs) And then we also start to recognize that the florist also contributes to the cookbook. So there's a little bit of a spillover there. Oh, yeah. They the characters uh, have recipes in there. They've got ads for their own businesses uh, in Magnolia Bayou. I can't tell you how many of my buyers have come back to me and said, is this real like people think that this is a legitimately like real community and there's um one of the the first ad is actually for a real estate agent in magnolia bayou (laughs) and everybody asks if they can buy some land there buy a new house and retire 
You could really be doing something for that little Magnolia Bayou. But what a production. I mean, that was, must have been a lot of work. Yes, this was done in about nine months. It was funded from Savannah College of Art and Design, where I went to school. They fund outside-the-box alumni projects. Um, and so they gave me seed money to do this. And the biggest challenge of this book was the comb binding. Mm-hmm. Um, we had written the entire book. We had gotten all the design elements. And I had been through so many printers trying to find somebody who could do that comb binding. Um, and everything I heard was like, no, you know, the machines we use today, they don't use that. The comb binding has to be done by hand. Nobody uses those machines And by anymore. comb binding, it's like that black spiral yep. thing. Yep. Until I found a company that had a machine in their storage unit and they relearned how to use it and these are all made by hand literally from the printer to when i am stuffing uh the recipe cards and the notes and the funeral programs in there Um, it's really been a labor of love and i think that's reflective of what the original uh cookbooks junior league cookbooks were um you know those were big undertakings that would take multi years of committees and subcommittees for the recipes and for the the ice cream right. committee and cookie committee. How did you decide behind between poinsettia fountain blues, you know, tuna casserole or Kitty Conway's? Well, some of them I noticed they would have tuna casserole 1, tuna casserole 2 and tuna casserole 3. Oh my goodness. But I think some of them like the junior league cookbooks it was they're much more discerning and picky about it. Um at the end of those cookbooks, they would oftentimes have a thank you section um, to all the members who had been editors of you know, these junior league and church cookbooks. So I made sure to thank my own fictional characters who were editors in there. And in a way, it was kind of like thanking different aspects of my own personality. And I also got to joke about um, some of the characters that, with Kitty Conway, who's a known lush. She's the one who edited the food and drink section. Uh, they thanked her for staying sober through the long and excruciating <laughs> editing process. Well, and you sold out on the first day. First day that you sold them, right? Yes, I sold out on my first day. So I'm, where where can people get them? You can buy them directly from me, uh, magnoliabayoucookbook.com. Um, my name is Matthew Terrell. I'll also be at Decatur Book Festival on August 31st um, as part of a panel about bending genres. I hope people will come there. Um, and right now, I am... I'm not on the ground floor. I'm on the third or fourth floor right now of this entire world of Magnolia Bayou, which I think is going to be this new genre of fictional cooking. I want to see like a TV show that you're going to learn recipes, but you're entwined with the characters in their lives. I, I see so much with Magnolia Bayou there. On the back, it says this is the first biennial edition. And so I guess that means uh, next year, I got to start working on the, uh, the second one. <laughs> well, Matthew, thank you so much. What an accomplishment. Thank you so much, Virginia. Matthew Terrell, an artist and writer and the author of the Magnolia Bayou Ladies Auxiliary. Cooking and entertaining book. Thank you very much. I didn't say country club. He will be at the Bending Genres panel at the Decatur Book Festival on Saturday, August 31st. On Second Thought is For Real, produced by Amelia Brock, Leighton Raul, Raven Taylor, and Jake Troyer. Jesse Neiswanger is our engineer. Allison Krausman and Jessica Lowell are our interns. Don Smith, our Dean of Grammar. Amy Kylie is senior producer. Sarah Shariari is managing editor for GPB News. I'm Virginia Prescott, now auditioning for Kitty Conway in that series, if you do it. Okay, Matthew? Perfect. All right, thanks. <laughs>